it going, guys? I'm Z. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 58. That's the one. Thank God. <laughs> I actually thought <laughs> I'd get it wrong there. Well, Jake, we're not alone this week. No. You actually predicted right our guest on the show. Predicted? Oh. Well, we've had guests in the past only be here in spirit. That's true. So, but not this week. No. We're joined by another than the Jack Bet. Hey, I'm back. Hey. It's actually good to have you back, buddy. Yeah. Of Blue Velvet fame. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I mean, when, was the, when was the last episode he was on? Joker, episode 38. Damn. 20, 20 episodes, episodes ago. Happy late. 20th anniversary, guys. Ah, I'm not sure that's <laughs> you can't how that do, works. You can't, can't do math either. You at episode 78. <laughs> I'm only coming every fucking What do you reckon episodes? will Pretty be the, ep- the film of the week in episode 78? How We're many weeks away is that? 28. Oh, I'm actually really weeks. annoyed because I... Five months. Mm, four I, months. I did the dates last night, no, five, so five. I should know this, but I don't. What? Like the dates for which episode's which. Oh, yeah. All the way up to 100. What? We still got... Five months. We still got like 10 months till we get to episode 100. Dude, you are a maniac if you've done that. I yeah. only did it last night. I was prepping. Wow. I don't know. We uh, produce on the Cinema Sideshow. I think it's 42 us. weeks. Wonder Woman 2, probably. Wonder Woman 2. 1984. Or 84. Is it just called 84? 84? Man, that's a lot of Wonder Woman films. Jesus Christ. Can't wait for Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> How are we, boys? You think the Xbox we marketing team named yeah. those films? Wonder Woman 1. Are we good? I'm good. No, how are we doing? I've been better. Yeah. You're a bit crook. <laughs> Fucking bit crook. I spent the last three days of vomiting. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit I of a... Still came on your... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's a bit, of a bit of a tough one. We got you on the show. That's yeah. good. Against my will. Yeah, yeah we, we strapped you to a chair. I was tricked into it. How are you though, Jake? I'm alright. Yeah. I've watched a lot in this last week. Yeah, I've only watched two films, apparently. Oh, thank anything. God. <laughs> this is the worst kind of podcast for me to be on. I don't even watch movies anymore. Yeah. You but can like, talk about a few. Name one. You watched Parasite, didn't no, you? So you watched Parasite. Touché. You can probably name a couple more as well, can't you? No. No. That's about Uncut it. Gems. The film of the week. Oh yeah, film <laughs> the of the Taylor week. Swift documentary. <laughs> what did you think of the Taylor Swift documentary? Sucked dick. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give us a quick one as, as to why? You hate it unless you think Taylor Swift is the greatest artist of all time. I agree. It was incredibly biased. It was, and then the end of the, the moral of the story is, it just suddenly turns into some like, it's okay to be gay. And I was like, okay, I knew that. <laughs> you didn't have to fucking put it down my throat. <laughs> I like, knew that. Why is Taylor Swift telling me that? So we get Jack on for his critical analysis skills and his <laughs> on Miss Americana. In, oh, Miss Americana. Yes. Or is uh, it a car? No. No, it's a car. I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but Kanye talk about that, that. I'm gonna let you finish thing, right? Uh, that's in the doc. Oh, that was the hardest thing to watch. <laughs> to be fair, that, that's <laughs> my mean. favorite thing Barack Obama's ever done. Is his oh, response Kanye to that oh. when he called him a jackass? Like that is my favorite res- presidential yeah. response to any situation. What a different time it was back then. Yeah, different yeah. time. No, what about you, what, Jake? What, what would you call? What would before I get into what I call? What would Donald Trump say about that situation now? He, he said so. He had like a bit of like. He likes her 25% less because of that Oh, tweet. yeah, you're right. That is in the doctor. Oh, and also... There you go. Both presidents. Donald Trump. Strange number. 25% and less. Donald Trump watched Parasite and he hated it. <laughs> no, he didn't watch it. He just hated that it won the best picture. No, apparently he watched it. And he's like, I didn't even know what it was about. I don't understand. Did he? he? Said, no, yeah. I, saw, I saw his speech. He said, he says, no one knows what it is. It sucks. Well, he's fucking stupid. <laughs> he just doesn't know how to read. So that's his issue. Yeah, exactly. But you did enjoy our film of the week last for last episode, Parasite. It? Yeah. Oh, fucking banger. Yeah. What a banger. I, I love, one of my favourite movies of the, of the year. I've only watched good movies this year besides the Taylor Swift documentary. Yeah. But that movie... You mean in 2020? In 2020. That gotcha. movie fucking slaps, man. It's a good movie. Yeah. yeah it slaps. I, I mean, we, had, we praised it quite a bit it. last week. I'll oh, watch it again. Really? 
and I hate foreign films. I did. I did say to you, Jack, it is probably the most rewatchable non-English film ever. Because I, in my memory, is in English. <laughs> like I don't remember reading. I just. I don't. I have no memory of having to read. I just fucking translated it so fast. Visual storytelling. Ladies well, Jack, and I think you've caught a couple of Bong Joon Ho films. I completed my bomb binge for the week. I did. Shout out. Uh, shout out to Bomb Binge. Um, no, I watched Mother Snowpiss and Okja this week. And you did Okja? I did Okja. No, but Bong. Bong Joon Ho did Okja on Netflix. Bong Joon Ho. He produced it or directed it? He directed, directed it. it. Wow, he's done a lot of shit. Yeah, he's done a lot of good I films. He was just like Korean dude, but he's done a bunch of shit. Well, I think with Snowpiercer was sort of the. Western break. Yeah, when he. Western break, exactly. He made no money, so he's like, um, going to go back to Korea. Because Okja's like 50 50 English Korean. Like, I was shocked how much English yeah, is in that film. I've still not been motivated. I was this close to watching it the other day, but then uh, it comes back to, you know how it is, your 70 films in, it can be a bit unappealing to see a two-and-a-half-hour film sometimes. Well, it was, it was two hours, two minutes. It okay. It wasn't crazy. I thought it was 2.32. No, but, uh, definitely not. But, um, I, li- I mean, I like all of his films. I think, well, first off, with Mother, his 2009 film, I think that's his best film next to Parasite. Mm-hmm. So we Parasite's probably his best film, but Mother's a very close second. Okay. This is only you... film that's won Best Picture. So Sorry? Remember. Yeah, but how many times have directors won for Best Picture? How many times has he been picture? nominated for Best Picture? Once. Ooh, yeah. Well, how many foreign, what, film, foreign films? No, which is Bong Joon-ho. Oh, Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> well, this, this was the first South Korean film to ever get nominated for anything at the Oscars. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it and I was like, holy fuck. I loved it. Every second really of it, man. So what was your uh, opinion on Snowpiercer? Um, so I thought it was probably my least favourite of his films. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It was obviously very parasite-y in the same thematical sense, a very horizontal look at class instead of vertical. Um, it felt a bit more like a video game in that sense, it like getting like, to each level of classes, and which like was great. The same universe as did the feel like game. Video. As it like, did yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Young adult drama fucking vibe to it, which is which weird is sort of. Oh, definitely on the nose in that regard. Like, this is classism here and here and here, which was fine. It was great. Obviously, I think watching Parasite first, sort of, ah, oh, he did it way better in that film. So yeah. there's that aspect of it. Um, but, I, you know, speaking to the the what you were saying, Jack, I actually did love the production design a lot, how the colour sort of changes as the further he gets up. Piercer. Yeah. Mm. The, um, I didn't mind the ending, though. I don't know why you didn't like the ending. Remind me what the ending is. Uh, train gets derailed, and then... Uh, the well, small, it's the yeah, it's the Korean, uh, the young girl, the young girl, and the African American bloke, correct? No, so it's it's, it's it's Kim Sang Ho. I think that's his name. Okay, it's those two. That's the one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So it, it's I don't know. I feel like it's 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 I've, I don't know. I just didn't like the ending. It felt like it, it ended up like. Ed Harris was basically the expository machine. I yeah, think. but there was... Um, I mean, Tilda Swinton was also very expository in the first act. Yeah. Like, you belong here, we belong there. Like, it was a great yeah, but movie, I think, but... I don't know, I feel like Swinton... Maybe it was all one had... I, I don't know. I just wasn't a fan of the ending. Right. I'd have to go back and revisit it and give you a real okay. justification well, for it. It's it not that I thought lost. the ending was incredible. It, it just kind of worked. Because I thought, it's like, okay, well, the message of the film... The, the lower class uprises. What happens when they uprise? Well, they derail the system. Ha 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 mm. ha. Um, so I thought it was fine in that yeah. regard. But again, probably my least favorite of his films. No, that's I think fair. I think the more sort of English he tries to approach, the less sort of I feel like it becomes that Western thing. Oh, it's a Western audience. We have to be more clear about what we're talking about. So I think that's where the issue sort of. I agree. I think that's fair. That. But yeah, I also watched the Gentleman. 
which was great. You went to the cinemas to watch that? I did. I went to Luna, and I was by myself. Mm. Was that a fun experience? It was pretty fun, because I've been at empty theaters with you, Zeke, in yes. the past. But yeah. this was the first time I and went. And Jack. I think you've been with one, Jack. The three of us? <sighs> I don't think no, so. Definitely not. <laughs> was Jojo Rabbit an empty theater? I don't remember. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jack was dead for half that screening. Uh, he's oh, like, what's the movie about again? I can't wait till that movie's on Blu-ray so I can actually enjoy it. Very close. Yeah. I think in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't know. But, no, but you haven't was... seen Snatch or no, Lockstock. This is actually my first Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, see, when you've seen the other ones. You haven't seen King Arthur? No. You haven't seen... Aladdin? Sherlock Holmes? Oh, I've seen Shirtle, uh, the fake. first, but I don't remember anything about it though. <laughs> yeah, but like I think Gentleman falls more in the lock, stock, yeah, and well, snatch. That's a Guy Ritchie film. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Some like of them are Guy films Ritchie, made by Guy, Guy Ritchie. Ritchie. That's a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah. Like, I don't know. When I got to Rock and Roller, which was the sort of next one after Snatch and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, oh. it starts to get like, okay, we get it. You have this formula. There's a bunch of mafia dudes apparently. In... Well, I think that's why he did Gentleman because he's like, I think I've taken a long enough break from that formula. Right. Yeah. I'm to go back to it. He's done a bunch of fucking Hollywood. Like Swiss says, doing the Irishman. Yeah, um, it's yeah, a bit different because films. like I feel like the best part about the Irishman is it, it shows Martin has grown as a director i think he that's true took a story that he had before in goodfellas and he shows his maturity with with irishman and mm. whereas guy Ritchie hasn't like he's, he's just diff- like trying to show that he's still got it yeah the, the gentleman's not a de- demonstration of maturity i will get i'll agree with you there because yeah. you've seen it yeah? yeah 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 it just sort of it's a more more like it not to say it's not entertaining because that style that he has is very entertaining it's a but fun film yeah the reality is it's like i mean he's I think I don't know if this is the first time Colin Farrell I think Colin Farrell's been in one of the other ones I'm trying to remember like Possibly. I think he always has a relatively fresh cast he recycles some people yeah um but generally has he worked with Matthew McConaughey before? no okay no no, that's, that was that was definitely one of the the newer elements. So, but I, it sort of just looks like you know it felt like more of the same. Not mm. like that's not a bad thing if like you've only seen Gentleman, but when you go back and see some of the other ones, like I think Lockstock is or Snatch is way sharper. I think Snatch I got to get onto real soon because it's got it's got my boy Brad Pitt, correct? You, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you might not. I don't know if you'll like it if you're watching it for the first time now because if you watched it, yeah. you, when's the last time you watched it? Editing and shit is so dated. It's so yeah. fucking is it really edgy? Lockstock's his best one for okay. sure. You go back and watch it, and you'll be like, Ooh, yeah. I watched them in order too. Right, so okay. Lockstock's his first. That's ninety eight. Snatch is two thousand. Rock and Roller, I think, is two thousand seven, two thousand six. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then this one obviously is now. So obviously, everything like padding helps. But if you're going backwards, you might not enjoy it as much. Right. Well, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna like binge the whole. Thing yeah. I'm I'm gonna watch Snatches because it's on my 100 movie poster. Yep. So I need to get to that anyway. But um, in terms of watching this film without any other Guy Ritchie yeah. knowledge, it definitely felt like ah oh, he's got the Tarantino esque dialogue, very quippy and this and that. Which yeah, it was it was fun. I thought Charlie um, Hunnam is that his name? Yeah. I thought he was excellent. In this Charlie film. Hunnam's great. He needs more. He was in the King Arthur movie. Oh, yeah, well, that's why he ended his career for a while. It did. He did Pacific Rim, which didn't make much money, and then he did King Arthur, which made zero dollars. Yeah. Hunter Lost City of Z is one of Hunnam's best movies. And one of the least grossing movies of all time. Yeah. That's got a really but that's got really good performances from Patterson. I've got it on Blu ray, but I haven't seen it. Patterson, Hunnam and Tom Holland are all in it. Um (laughs) and we 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 will get to talking about that. Um Yeah. But I think um 
No, honestly, I, I, I think Hunnam is an incredibly... He's really good in Triple Frontier, which is a film I watched last year with Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac. I didn't, oh, make, it, I I didn't make it through that movie. Didn't like it? It was just like... I, I didn't mind it. I was just like, I'm just seeing action. These are some manly dudes doing some manly action. I guess. I mean, it's a that's pretty fair. manly might. Like when you had Pedro Pascal in there and that's the bad guy in, in Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. I thought it was Nathan Fillion. <laughs> it's Pedro Pascal. They're going to get Nathan Fillion in a fucking... Two hundred dollar million dollar movie. I mean, he's uh, not, like no offense to Pedro Pascal. I love him, but is he a bankable star yet? Really, you don't really need a bankable star to play a uh, bad guy. He was the bad guy in Kingsman Two as well. So, well, he's one of them. He wasn't yeah, like but, the main bad guy. It's funny because no one's going to see Kingsman Two because fucking Mandy Moore. What's her name? Is that Mandy Moore? Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. It's a fucking bad guy. Julianne I still haven't great. seen the second Kingsman yet. Have you seen a movie because Julianne Moore? Uh, um. Second Kingsman. It, the, the problem is that a lot of people criticize the Second Kingsman. It's not that much different to the First Kingsman. It's, it's just, just sort of dumber. Be- <laughs> it's got way too much Elton John. There's in less. It. Yeah. The, there's, it's, the is second possible? one is more about. <laughs> yes. The first one ha- was like a good story with heart and stuff, and then it was ex- kind of a crazy story, crazy spy stuff on top of that, and then the second one was like, fuck the story. Let's just do yeah. the crazy spy mm, stuff. There was some real that's not good. Deus Ex Machina's in there where gotcha. it's like, what are these? And it was just things. like, you know, classic Matthew Vaughn overusing CGI that isn't that good. So, like, all the fight scenes are just CGI people. They look a bit doing, rubbery. Yeah, rubbery, rubbery shit. Which apparently they all are in camera and they did it, but they just fucking glossed over it with CGI to make it smoother. Oh, yeah. That's dumb. So ends up making them look like rubber men. I'd like, rather yeah. it look rough, like, in the camera. Really? It was just an audition for Rocket Man. <laughs> and essentially, it was like, can you sell fucking Elton John? Oh, we can? They just wanted to introduce fucking Taron <laughs> and, and Ellen yeah, John so they made I, a movie. I just noticed that connection. That's true. That's where they met. Uh, oh, yeah. And, well, on yeah, set, he would just do an impersonation and Elton was like, maybe I'll make a movie about myself. <laughs> <laughs> myself and Oscar. <laughs> but, um, it's funny you talk about Kingsman because I actually compared it to Gentlemen like tonalistically in terms of like the young Brits going at each other and stuff. I thought it was weird they used white and gold for the Gentlemen. Like in the colour schemes, it looked a little too close to Kingsman. Oh, like at oh, first, yeah, I was yeah. even confused. The I thought it was the Kingsman, prequel because the they're doing because they are doing yeah. the prequel. Yeah, yeah, they're That's doing the fair. prequels. I was like, oh, is this the prequel to Kingsman? It is, a <laughs> but then it was like a garage, vibe, right? It's very similar. Yeah, I got the same vibe. Well, they're the same sort of generation of director, like Matthew Vaughan. Yeah, and same mm. sort of air, like English fucking high energy music video director style. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I was like, it was fine. I, I don't think I've I haven't popped it up. That's the only one. I knew yeah, I forgot one. Put it on your letterbox. Yeah, I've watched because I gave it a flat three stars. So I've actually I watched that four films this week, including oh, okay. the film of the week, which was a rewatch. Immediately well, I, uh, before we get off, gentlemen, I just want to okay. say, much like the film of the week has a lot of f bombs, this one has a lot of c bombs. <laughs> I oh, haven't seen other Guy Ritchie. That's pretty, that's pretty seen, normal in Guy Ritchie. Yeah. I was going to say I haven't seen these other films, but that was a lot of. I'm like I've never you, heard you this much British c bomb. I mean, that word is a British derivative. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of British films, and they don't excessively use a c bomb every five seconds. Yeah, but it's 2020, so. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I feel like but the other it was ones so have strange. a fair amount of c words too. They're more casual about it. I remember it was a huge deal when Kickass came out. Because that he, was an American an eight, film. I know it was an American film, but an eight-year-old says it once. That's yeah, the thing, but that was because yeah. it was an English director just did it, and he thought it was funny, and then it came out in America, and they were like, oh, "They said cunt in the movie," and it was yeah. like, and "He was like, oh, I didn't even realize it was that big of a deal. I thought it was a funny scene." It's yeah, it's because they made Chloe Moritz Grace do it. And Americans were like, "I've never heard that word before in my life." <laughs> the only C word I know is Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so That's I managed great. to catch uh, four films, including Gentleman and the Film of the Week. The gotcha. other two I caught was Wonder. Which I think everyone oh, here yeah. I've seen has it, watched yeah. and probably had. I had a very similar reaction. Oscar Jack. Shit. Yeah. It's, 
I think, I think Owen Channel Wilson was the most unnecessary ca- casting in that film. They just saw Marley um, and who? Like... Owen Wilson as the dad. Oh, yeah. um, I do strange. think Julia Roberts serves an appropriate role. She actually has stuff to do. I'm sorry, Owen Wilson's character could have been played by any B or C list actor. Yeah. They didn't need Owen Wilson for that. Whereas Julia Roberts had a bit of, I guess. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, Owen Wilson fucking selling out arenas. Owen Wilson makes money. <laughs> Like he does. Yeah, I mean, he does the cars he's, movies. He's fucking he, cars, <laughs> not at the museum. Like he's a bankable star, definitely. Um, I I actually was left film. with a very similar. I think Jake and I, you both, we both sat on three stars for this film. Yeah, it's fine. There's some nice narrative stuff, but it's fine. <laughs> that kid the is day. the is the biggest narrative tool on the planet. Like him and Room, and now him and this. It's like oh, he's excellent. What's his What's his name? Jake Tremblay or something. Yeah, Tremblay. That is correct. Well, he's up there with the kid who did um. Mid nineties, and he was also Atreus and God of War, and he was in uh, Sacred Deer with Mid nineties. The main kid, yeah, the main Sunny. kid, yeah, Sonny. Yeah, Sonny, you're Isn't right. Shit? I haven't seen him anywhere. He's in God of War. He plays the kid. Boy, God of War. You hate it. I haven't played it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Nah, he's grand. Well, he's also in um. This kid, this kid was recently in Killing of a Sacred Deer. I haven't seen that. Well, was he in was... Doctor Strange? What? Who? No, Doctor Sleep. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Doctor Sleep, which is funny because I saw that as Whoa, well. This that's week. the kid in Good Boys. That's hectic. Oh yeah, I was That's why the casting was like, oh, wow, they got that one kid from the Oscar bait movies. Is he an Oscar winner? <laughs> no. I think he got nominated he for Room. He room. might have got nominated. Yeah, he got nominated for Room. Flex. Uh, Wonder was fine. <laughs> it's like one of those movies that it's hard to get angry at, but the at the same Mark time. Movie. Sorry? It's not. No, it's stylistic. Yeah, I wish it... Uh, it's kind of where I sit with Walter Mitty in the same sort of realm, where I wish it pushed its stylism more. Whereas right. Walter Mitty has that one scene where it's like... Look, this guy lives in his imagination. They do that one stylistic scene, and for the rest of the movie, it's just him going to Greenland, and that's infuriating because it's like it gave you a taster, and they use that mostly in the marketing for the trailer, so it's a bit of a mislead. Whereas, Wonder, I think was I never I don't remember seeing a lot of trailers, but like definitely I saw a trailer and I was like, okay, I'm seeing. Okay, I'm not watching. I mean, (laughs) there should have been more. I think Um, promotion. No, more like I'm from a cinematic point of view. I wish they'd pushed the style, his imagination more. I think. Oh, right, because he has like those animated things. Well, he said, like he is? thinks he's an astronaut and he like runs around the school. Oh, and, like, he imagines that, yeah. him to really, and he sees like Chewbacca and Chewbacca comes yeah. out. There and was it, plenty of that. There wasn't like no, but I mean, I wish they had pushed it further, like made it really surreal, mm. like not like a dude who dressed up in a Chewbacca outfit, you know, like. Like cool, but it's like what's uh, the alternative to a guy dressed as Chewbacca? In a proper fucking Star Wars battle. Like, 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 yeah, exactly. Like, really play up the kid's imagination. Double the budget. Because for a kid that like <laughs> has nothing but his imagination, and a helmet, the, bo- the, and a helmet, <laughs> the boy doesn't. He doesn't imagine too much, to be honest. He only imagines characters. Like, and you can't, well, and you, you can't you, say you, it was a budgetary thing because look at the cast. There was a budget. Yeah, there, that's sure. I mean, there's always a budget thing, but I mean, the fact of the matter is you're getting different perspectives for that film. Like, it cuts to the sister's perspective, it cuts to this friend's perspective, so you can't stylize their narratives as well, and you've got to find that balance, I guess. Yeah, I actually liked all the alternate, like, the the pushing to the uh, other uh, friends Mm. and stuff. What else have you seen, Zeke? The other film I caught was (laughs) Thoroughbreds. Oh, Thoroughbreds. Fucking, so much potential. Where? Where Where is the potential in that film? What is this film? in it. Uh, it's like some fucking indie film, and the marketing's all like cool and slick, and the cinematography's slick, and it's like, oh, I hate my stepdad. Oh, I hate your stepdad as well. Let's kill him. Yeah. So they have this whole plan to kill their stepdad, and then the movie. Like horrible bosses. But it's like a drama. But it's like, drama. the whole movie is like, 
it starts by, I want to kill my stepdad. And all the characters, like, whisper, and they're all really boring and quirky. And I, I want to kill my stepdad. And then she's like, okay, let's do it. And then they just do it, and the movie ends. Yeah. So two, Spoiler I'll give you the log line, Jake. Uh, two teenage girls in a suburban Connecticut rekindle their unlikely friendship after years of growing apart. In the process, they learn that neither is what she seems to be. Mm, and that okay. a murder might solve both their problems. Look. I'm with Jack. There was like, I guess there's an interesting premise in there, but I, this movie like, moved at a snail's pace and not in like the they good. They introduce Anton Yelchin as like this sort of like unhinged, unpredictable guy. He's and one then, of the worst. Like his, his opening scenes, the statutory rape line, where it's like, oh, but I liked his, I liked his character, and I thought his character was going to be the thing that created issues. Like he's going to like start to like sort of like disrupt the plot a little bit and make something interesting happen, and then he just doesn't show up to the event that he was meant to show up to. You yeah. don't see him until right before the credits when they like uh, see her. So it's like this one guy who was going to shake shit up doesn't show up. So they just do the thing and then it ends. I'm like, what? That, and that? I don't like these characters. They're getting more and more in film. These deadpan, like they have no emotion characters. Just they throw at the camera like, I want to kill my stepdad. And she's like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. You know, just like. But monotone delivery and yeah, all that. Trying to be yeah, they're, they're, yeah, exactly. So they're, they're, they're trying to be like. And she's not the one, like, it's the other character with the stepdad and they're both plotting to kill the stepdad but the one that's monotone with no character is is the one that's like the friend but like i i think those characters are like like she has like no dimension she literally is just i don't care about anything oh we're gonna kill your stepdad okay (laughs) yeah cool Mm -hmm. it's like there's no arc there's no like i I, and people really are quite fond of this movie i don't know if it's just trying to be i sort of got some high averages in this yeah. box stars, yeah. yeah. sitting on about 3.6. Artistic people are like, oh, yes. Very on. Yes, I like that. Let's talk about classism and stuff. It's not. Wow. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, the, the, the stepdad, hmm. he's just an asshole. And it's implied that he's, like, potentially domestically abusive. But, like, it's like it's rarely put on. It doesn't give enough compelling reasons for why these kids, for no reason, are going to kill their dad. The, the one who's the stepdaughter hates him because he's sending her to a university that she didn't want to go to. And then he's like basically like, oh, when this is all done, I don't owe you anything. Like, he's a tool and an arsehole, right. but he's not like a, a monster. Like, it, it's the end zone justify the means but sort also, of thing. it's the director's first movie. Yeah. So, and, okay, that's part of it. And, then, all, yeah. and But he's already got that bad education movie now with Hugh Jackman. Coming out soon. Oh, I really? saw an ad like for that. Is that a show? Drama. No, it's like a. I think it's a movie. Okay. About a flawed education, like a true story. So okay. It's like an actual movie that he got out of it. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I saw. Like I saw like a trailer scroll on my phone of yeah of Jack Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some stuff with a horse, but this year has not been good for horses. Oh yeah, some chick oh. called a horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's fair. I was not a fan. What about you, Jake? You've caught anything else? I caught, caught a few others. I'll start from uh, the oldest to the newest because there's one. I want to create a new segment on the show, guys, for the right. one film in particular. So I forgot to mention last week, I actually saw Frankenstein, the 1931 <laughs> version, and it's really good. Jack's turning into Frankenstein. Yeah, his uh... coffin and dying and everything. Yeah. Um, but that movie, frankly, and just like the next film, it also kind of made me frankly, frankly, <laughs> frankly, Frankenstein. Mm. Look, it's really good. I I love the novel to death. The novel is like one of the best written pieces of fiction ever. So even though it's <laughs> the film podcast, I know. Put those words back in your mouth. <laughs> he just needs to show how cultured <laughs> he is by reading. Hey guys, too. remember when I played Spyro? <laughs> yeah. no, um, on. <laughs> no, but the, the my point is that you could tell because it's 1931. They changed a lot of sort of narrative structure things to adjust for a 60 minute mm. film 
and uh, it's like I just want to see, and I would do it. Hollywood, call me up. I would do a very, very, very faithful version of Frankenstein. Mm. I Frankenstein. Yeah, I would do a fuckboy <laughs> teen drama where Frankenstein's trying to fuck the doctor that made him. Yep, that's the novel. It's him. He's like, wait, seriously? No. Oh, okay. You're insane. Now, Zac Efron as Frankenstein. Call me Frank. Who was it? Who was it? Who uh, played Aaron Eckhart. Oh, God. What? In the original? No, I Frankenstein. No, I, I Frankenstein oh, is a legitimate. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I, I, think, I thought you were talking about, like, Boris Karloff. If you were to do, like, a classic <laughs> Hollywood movie remake, Jack, which one would you do? Like, one of those monster movies? Or like Any of them. Monster movies? Classic Hollywood. I don't know. They're all shit. Would you redo <laughs> King Kong? Oh, no. That's boring. Godzilla? King Kong's a good story. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Do a monster movie. Fuck it. Let's do a mummy again. Get Tom Cruise back in the fucking studio. You know, I'd be keen to see another mummy movie. With Tom Cruise? No. With Brendan Fraser? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> no, the, oh, Would guys, you not want to see another Brendan Fraser mummy movie? Can I we would. be honest at the Blumhouse Invisible Man movie? Doesn't look too bad. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to talk about that a bit at the very end of Looks the show. pretty good. Yeah. Intriguing. Not good. Well, I, you know what? I know why Jack thinks it's good. Why well, is I know exactly why. Like? It is definitely a director you like, but we will learn about it at the end of no, the podcast. No, you have to tell me now. No, we're going to tease it. All right, oh, we're going to tease it. Hit up to the next movie. All right, so the next one, I watched The Diary of Anne Frank, 1959. Fun wow. film. <laughs> really bring up the movie. I actually liked it. It was a three-hour film, but I actually really liked it a it's lot. It's actually really funny. <laughs> Ugh, it's not Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> well, I like that it's, you know, obviously you've got this backdrop of, yeah, the Jojo Rabbit-esque sort of... Um, not that Nazis were brought up by Jojo Rabbit, but, you know... Yeah, yeah. that movie yeah. Jojo Rabbit invented Nazis. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like that that was the backdrop and we focus on the hyper-domestic, you know, two families stuck in one sort of room mm-hmm. for several years. It's crazy. But this, all this made me want to think of is if Greta Gerwig did an Anne Frank movie. She's going to, I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's money on one of right the now. biggest and shot if she calls. And ca- if she casts, sorry, Ronan and Timothy Chalamet. As, oh, yeah, it's Timothy as Anne no, and I'm uh, more Peter. Of a man. I'm more of a Timothy boy. There you go. You cast them both where they have an almost romantic have connection together. in the film, but don't because they all die. Yeah, Spoiler also, alert, Nazis killed people. Hmm. I, also, I have something I want to talk about. After you Are play. they never going to be together? Is that what it's going to be? Like every the, movie, the, every movie they're going to be like yeah. almost together, but and not quite. And then they cast as Robin and Batgirl, and they'll have this weird love fucking relationship, and they won't get together. Yeah. That's yeah. That's is that the whole watched this Jake? No, I watched. A couple, I watched a lot. Man. I watched really, I'm getting. I'm getting through it quickly. Watch the Truman Show. Finally, brilliant. Finally, finally, finally brilliant stuff. Fun. I could watch the movie over and over. Again. So good. One of the easiest watching films, I reckon. Yeah. Easy. God, I love the ending. Not even just the idea of the ending, but the way it's shot, like each frame, and just... what they show, what they don't show. I'm like yeah. genius, yeah. genius ending. Man, so good. Yeah. And we mentioned. Well, Do- I would really like to do a week on the show for that. Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah. Go to a proper episode. A true man show. Now, Jack, have you seen Doctor Sleep? No. Nah. Okay. Because I thought you were defending it the other day. Yeah, it was just to piss someone off. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I saw Doctor Sleep, and it's not good. No, it's good. We, we did The Shining a uh, few, I guess a couple of months episode ago. Yeah? 50. 50. And uh, this film is, it reminded me of It Chapter 2. There's horrible pacing oh, issues throughout the whole film. Were they uh, fat boy jokes? <laughs> imagine if fucking just calling you and McGregor fat the whole movie from no reason. I mean, <laughs> you believe we did that for a week? Well, oh, man. 
Uh, well, you're speaking like of the villain. Movie. The villain is like a non-villain. Like she's just this magic girl with a hat. Yeah, that like seems a, a bit hat. weird for same universe as The Shining, and that looks like something in a young adult. Movie well, that's as the well. thing. The Shining's so brilliantly condensed to the hotel, and this film's like, oh, now we're jumping all over the country in horribly yeah. edited sequences. So it's now you don't know when or where we are. It's called where yeah. cinema is right now. <laughs> well, literally, I mean, like, there's a, there's a scene where it's like, oh, it jumps eight years in the future. Like, we're in 2011, then it jumps eight years, and it cuts to someone watching Casablanca on in a theater. I'm like, wait, is this meant to be 2019? <laughs> like. Just stupid decisions like that. Yeah. And again, the villain, we literally see the villain never win once. She has this weird sort of Star Wars Skype-esque call with this other girl who's also friends with Ian McGregor, and she literally she has loses. the force call. Yeah. She literally loses really? every time. So when you get to the end battle, and like, she's all like, co- yeah, she's already cocky and like, hey, you already- guys are screwed. I'm like, I you've literally lost already. <laughs> I remember we. I remember someone so said dumb. a few months back when it first came out, it had its preview screens. Mm. They thought it was better than The Shining. Idiots! <laughs> what? I'm calling them an idiot. I'm sorry. Barely any movies. No, Doctor Sleep sucked. <laughs> uh, all right, now last film, and I want to dedicate a segment to this. I. It's called Hollywood. Let Jake fix your film for you. Oh, here we go. Where I'm going to talk Do you directly... Have a jingle for it? Hollywood. <laughs> da, 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 your film shit. Um, <laughs> so like I'm going to talk to the writers of the film Ready or Not because uh, they totally... Uh, make more money than me and make more works in films than I do, I'm but I'm going to teach them how to do this. What's Ready job. or Not about? So Ready or Not is about... It's this girl who's marrying... She's marrying this guy and meets the family and the family's a little off and we don't know if they like her or not. And they have a little game at midnight after the wedding ceremony. Most and what, dangerous game. Yeah, and it turns out to be like, oh, they're going to hunt her around the house and try and kill her sort of thing. And quirky. it, yeah, it was quirky and it could have, they could have... So it's not like The Invitation? What's that movie with the... Uh, but good. The Invitation was good. The, they go to the dinner party and everyone's wearing animal masks. Oh, I don't I remember. It's a horror movie with Australian chicken. It reminds me of that. It's, yeah. it's well, The Invitation is when they go that a bunch of people go to a house mm. and it's the ex-girlfriend of the main dudes and like they've they find out it's a cult okay and then it ends up being like a murder party it's similar because they do have that cult sense where mm. they all play like a card game and she draws the wrong card so they got to hunt her down and kill her before dawn sort yeah. of thing well the invitation mm. was actually good okay <laughs> well this film it still could have kept it's like overly violent like fun zombie land-esque aesthetic and mm-hmm. still could have been very good here's what they went wrong so the film opens with her already in her wedding dress the day of, and the husband walks in, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm so nervous to meet your family. And he's like, oh, well, you know, um, we can just run away if you want. And eh, Ron answer, Hollywood, here's what you actually do. You show a montage of her prepping for the wedding months in advance, where you learn that she is someone who values traditionalist ideas. She wants to be a bride. She wants that sort of iconography you have with that, while the guy is leaving little hints that he doesn't want to get married that he's like oh we don't need to get married in this day and age we go away so it explains why exposition is not randomly just being dropped on this one day the day they're getting married but it also is a much subtle hint for the violent tendencies in the second half of the film well does the partner hunt her down uh reluctantly reluctantly but also kind of turns and he's like no i'll save you sort of and he gets killed gets off yeah well (laughs) (laughs) The ending's a side thing, honestly. But anyway, and then what you do, you play with that idea. What's I, I mean, I've got here like Melancholia. The first hour of Melancholia, you don't realise the movie's going to end with the world exploding. I knew from the start. 
But that's the thing. Like, if you watch this film blind, you shouldn't know from the start that it's going to be a violent, fun game. And sure, the trailers can spoil it or whatever, but within the rounds of the film, you can't. So it needs to be clean. They and like, They did set it up early that it's going to be like that? It's just like obvious. And then like all the dialogue is like, kind of like yeah. oh, hey, I knew you were hiding in here. Ready for you. Like really obvious. It should be like, what the fuck? Yeah, it should just be like, yeah, exactly. You need to be a complete surprise. Off, you just be like, what the fuck? Because there's scenes of people doing cocaine and stuff in the bathroom. It's like, that would have been funnier if you didn't know this was going to be the film. So The show's got a really positive rating, too. Yeah, from... Oh, God, people didn't realise that there could be more to this film, you know? Because now you have a character arc of the first You know they called Ready or Not, so they could have a sequel called Ready or Not, Here I Come. That's, yeah. That's 100% why. That's the Now You See Me approach. $6 million budget, $58 million grossing, so it may may back. It made made a pretty penny back. Happy death day to you. But, um... That, that's the problem. It's like, you have that, and then now, in my version, she has a character arc because when she gets with this family who, the reason they're hunting her down is because the traditionalist values that their ancestors like to play these wacky games. And now she starts to associate that with marriage and like, oh, maybe marriage isn't such a required thing to do in the year 2020, you know? And it's a message that maybe not everyone can get behind, but it's a unique message to this film that's already aesthetically quite contradictory or aesthetically trying to surprise its audience with this overly violent second half but no they don't do any of that like even the costume you could have a mm. wedding dress deteriorate throughout the night but no they're just doing it because it's a cool halloween costume yeah so, i'm, I'm no. definitely getting that vibe judging by its uh its placement in the year and all that so, that's this guy directed so this guy has directed uh this is one of them uh oh i actually think they're directing duo tyler gillett and i think you're correct and yes. matt bentinelli open i'm gonna go with uh, Devil's Due was their first film. So this is their fourth film, it looks like, together. Um, although VHS was like a massive group of... I've heard anthology. VHS is crap. Anthology. I, I, would, I like VHS. Oh, okay. I didn't like VHS 2. There's the second one? I think there's three. And the third one's called, like, Viral, where it's online videos. Oh, goodness. Southbound is also an anthology film that's got them both in Lazy it, too. motherfuckers. Mm. They just do part of a film and then give up. Yeah, I wonder who was thinking about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no. yeah. The reason, look, the reason I want to do this segment is because if I can dissect and fix your film in the one hour, 90 minutes, one hour, 30 minutes it takes to watch your film, the screenwriters who have years to write these films could fix it themselves as well. They've already made the film, so... Well, exactly. They stuffed up. Look, I'll give them that. I have the But it's advantage. like fantasy booking. It's like fantasy filmmaking. I would give them the benefit of the doubt. When you see the final product, it's easier to point out the flaws than like an unfinished script. But like, those, I just came up with that in half an hour. Mm. Like that's how you have a character arc, a main message for your film, but keep all the fun aesthetics. If you need script doctoring, Jake's your man. Jake's your man. All right. Well, has anyone else here seen anything this past week? I just have something to bring up. Okay. Finally got to see the whole Batman costume. Oh yeah, that's released. What, controversial. Internet doesn't really like it. It's fine. Wow, it just they... looks like another Batman costume. The set photos, everyone's like, that just looks like a cosplayer fucking hockey pads and and his they hate the cow. And I'm just like, I don't give a fuck what it looks like. Well, Robert Pattinson is in underneath that shit. Well, the, it looks, the it fact just... of the matter is those images, that's a stunt guy in there. Yeah, That's not him. You can see but the still, dots on his chin. But still, fuck off. It's Matt Reeves. <laughs> Do you not trust him? They could Matt be, Reeves is a brilliant director. pink fucking outfit with like flowers coming off it and I'd still trust his vision. Uh, I'm going to need some clarification. What has Matt Reeves directed? Uh, the Planet recent Planet of the Apes films. The then the he is a brilliant two. director. Dawn and War. The two and Cloverfield. He did Cloverfield. And Cloverfield. But the fucking Planet of the Apes films feel like they came out in the 60s. They're like huge epics. Like They don't make movies like the Planet of the Apes films. Yeah. man. Like, those... Dawn, of the Ape, Dawn and War is the... War, yep. Both of those two 
feel like insane movies that they don't make anymore. They're incredible. They don't make. Movies Dawn's the one with Jason Clark, right? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Okay, well that's the best. And Gary Oldman. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. insane. The acting fucking yeah. level is ins- you're crying at the end of that movie. And yeah. it's just some big popcorn movie, but it's I actually like a did cry film. at the end of uh, War when he's dying. When he dies, yeah. right? Yeah, the end it's of trilogy. That legitimately moved me. I well, never oh thought God, it was yeah, devastating. They made mm. monkeys into like a real film. You're watching a monkey, yeah. and you're there crying. <laughs> you're watching a yeah. monkey. I actually never thought I'd be that moved because I don't think the like the, the war amazing. is that like it's oh, it's good. It's like a three to three and yeah. a half. It's not as like beautifully made as Dawn, but, but it's the, just done. The up. ending is more the just. It's kind of like how I feel about. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, ironically, right. if we're bringing Andy Serkis into it. But, um, yeah, you know, it's like, I think the second one is the one that emotionally moves me the most, I, ironically. I but, the Edge trilogy is the Lord of the Rings of this generation. I'd say so. The Those Lord of the Rings of the decade, definitely. Fantasy films. Three films that are consistently solid. They're giving away Planet of the Apes to some other director to do a, another one. So mm. What, just soon? Like, like, they're in, like, oh, they're just working no. out another story. They'll probably make it some dumb popcorn movie. But yeah. to be fair, I don't think they're... I like every Planet of the Apes movies from the very first one. Even like the, the like oh, a the fourth Charles and fifth Nesson ones? Even the... Sh- yeah, but I'm mm. talking about... Even, there's like seven of the... Old, old I haven't watched any of the Wahlberg ones even or any the, of No, not in the Wahlberg one. He, well, did, what? he did one and it was awful. Yeah, there, so there's like, there's five original. The that's the original start. No, there's five. Oh. And then Wahlberg's is the remake. That's the sixth oh, okay. one. And then, then the new trilogy. The five original, they get kind of fucking weird, but it's still insane. Every single one ends with this just like mind-blowing moment. Even the shittest one... Where they had no money. There's one where the two main monkeys oh, go back in to time the, to yep. the 70s and they just live as celebrities because they're like, oh my God, talking monkey. And they just walk around in the whole Man, movie. I need to rewatch that. I need to watch movie. these movies. I haven't they're, seen the first it's one. It's so movie interesting. Is a comedy and it's so fucking boring and bland. And then the f- end of the movie is some dramatic scene where they kill the two monkeys and the baby. Oh, manages, the baby's like on loop. The baby <laughs> fucking gets away and goes to the circus. But it's like this hella dark scene where this guy straight up murders these two because he's yeah. afraid of what Dude, they're going to do. Watch these movies. Right. The, the last shot, the, my, the last shot of all of these eights movies are my favorites because like the, the second last one, two minutes. They're like this whole movie was rubbish, but here, insane last two minutes where you're just like that movie was amazing. But like <laughs> it literally cuts to the baby being like mama, mama. But, but like yeah. it's on loop because they couldn't do the animation like past five seconds. And, like, and the fact so that weird. the series lasted five movies. When at the end of the second movie, they nuke the world and it explodes. Oh, that's that's also my favourite ending. <laughs> Mind-blowing. And like, they're like, the earth was destroyed. Imagine <laughs> sitting there in a chair and in a cinema going, oh, wow, the whole world exploded. And they're making that's another the one? The... <laughs> and then that's that? when they travel back in time. I gotta, I gotta watch bad now. That's the, it's like, the most... and Furious 10 will end with the world exploding and they'll still make it on the yeah, one. It's the most fascinating circular storytelling across those five films. But yeah, but they link up so well to each film that you just yeah, can't yeah, stop yeah. watching them. Mm. You want to uh, see how they got to the planet of the Apes. I've Brilliant. Okay, I've started rewatching Westworld because season three is coming out in yes. a couple of weeks. So I'm three episodes once again in. But I've talked about Westworld enough on this show. However, season seven, the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars started in the last week. I've heard that. Yeah. And it was an amazing start. Oh. Dave Filoni has taken... It's honestly made the best Star Wars content in the... Like the consistently best Star Wars content. Johnson, my boy. He's no, no, one it's one thing to do one film. Look, it, look, even if you like that, that's only one film. I'm saying Dave has taken The Mandalorian, okay, which okay. is really good, um, and that's his first live action, but when it comes to the two animated shows he did with Rebels and, m- more importantly, Clone Wars, it has been consistently good and he has developed. And he's honestly, he's fixed. You want to talk about fixing? That man fixed the prequels with that show. Okay. Like he completely he has he has elevated now Revenge of the Sith is the best of those prequel three films. 
And he has taken that film that was probably sitting on about a three and is pushing it towards a four because of the content in Clone Wars. Now, it's a lot to... I know it's wrong. It's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> to No, it's wrong to be like, oh, you have to... In order for this film to be better, you have to watch seven seasons of a show. I think that's, that is a cop-out for, for Lucas. to be watchable. <laughs> that film is watchable. It's not great, but... I don't mind episode three. I hate all of them so much. <laughs> I hate looking at them, and they give me anxiety. Two, I, I cannot forgive two. Two is... Two? Uh, shameful. Two, dude, those movies are embarrassing. It looks like he edited it on PowerPoint. Mm, three, is, three is always... That's all the head back then. Not bad. <laughs> but one is astronomically boring, and... <laughs> PowerPoint. One is boring as fuck. Acting is awful. With, with the exception of the last, what, 20 minutes? With, uh, just the Darth Maul I stuff. And then two... I can't defend oh, two. Throw up. Three, it's just an animated The mistake movie. was bringing Star Wars up on the show again. Yeah, oh, look, yeah. sorry, it was a bad <laughs> so idea. No but anyway, season seven's come out. That show is my favorite Star Wars property by far. Um, I tried to watch The, the Mandalorian. It's I a, fine. I one episode and I was like, I get this. Okay, I'm done. I still got to watch that. It's digestible. Like, like, I like it, but... But I just you sort of know what you're going to get after the first episode, so it just made me not want to watch it, because I'm not like... <gasps> I'm just like, okay. You should watch it just for the Tucker Waititi. I, I know, you, I just need to get to the Tucker Right at the end. They put his episode right at the end. Yeah, middle episode. But um, that show's fine. I think that show needs another season. It's going to have like the Deadpool effect where the longer it goes on, if Disney don't cut it like a bunch of tools. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no. Honestly, I mean, the whole story with Clone Wars was they got cut when Disney acquired them, and they weren't going to make any more Clone Wars, so they had to rush through their last season, and then. Now that Disney have fucked up the main Star Wars stuff, they're like, oh, let's throw some more Star Wars onto the fire. And hmm. But thankfully, I, I think Dave is probably one of the biggest lovers of uh, Star Wars and has actually put, like, he's not a fan, like, he's not, it's not about fan service. He takes a lot of risks and he develops characters that Lucas was just too lazy to do in the first right. place. Star Wars should have a rule, no more fan service. Fuck fan service. They should have a big poster in their office that says... If you think about doing fan service, get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, he's, he doesn't do fan service. I want you to kill Luke Skywalker. I want someone to travel back in time in season two of The Mandalorian and shoot Luke Skywalker when he was a kid. <laughs> fuck Santa. <laughs> I want everything different. I don't want anything... Whatever you think right. is going to happen... That was my mistake. Bringing up Star Wars. That was your mistake. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Going into this segment, we haven't done this segment in nine episodes, Zeke. It's been a long time career updates. since we've asked about career updates. Because we just we didn't have time the last two weeks with Oscar talk, the pre-records, we obviously couldn't do any, so it's been yeah. a long time. So, uh, Jack, do you want to give you a career updates? Uh, actually, I've been doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Um, cool. It's such a... <laughs> Jake, do you have something to add to this section? I do. Um, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a little, um, just because it's been a few months, obviously. So uh, I got a GoPro Hero 7, so that's cool. Yeah, you use that. Update. Got a fucking GoPro I got some there. new mics. If they ever kick us out of these studios here, we can use can those for the up, podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. listen to one podcast and they're like, wait a second. Yeah, the dean of the university listens to Cinema Sideshow podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, so just an equipment update. Yes, equipment stuff. Um, when Bomo did their Fringe show, I did some live streaming video for mm. that, so you can see that. Um, and I'm also about... I've been pretty lazy the last couple of weeks, but I've written about 65 pages of a feature script. Oh. So that's exciting. <laughs> I've been lazy. Long, I wrote 65 pages. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just slowly churning away on a couple of script ideas. We've 
Well, you've, yeah, you've been sort of bouncing between two in particular. Two in particular. I forgot that we could do that. Like, just strips. think of it. <laughs> I, yeah. like, I forgot that was an option. Use a pen and paper. You're just sitting at home doing nothing going, I wonder what I'll do. I'm you need like, a tutor oh. screaming at you to <laughs> write something. I think, it, I think, yeah, I mean, I've been churning, churning between two. I think one, like, one of them have, have been sitting on, I've uh, been talking to you for a very long time now. Mm. Um, Hiatus mode. No, I that's think, I, ironically, following the conclusion <laughs> of BoJack Horseman, I think I've returned to it more. Okay, that's interesting. Um, mm, which I'm sure maybe next week and, on the show yeah, we can if, go if, into an in-depth analysis. Yeah, on... if people are wondering, we have seen, me and Zeke have seen the BoJack finale, we just haven't talked about it purposely yet. Yeah, we're talking about it. Writing, waiting for the like right I'm time. But I, I think ne- like next week, that's enough time. I think that's how many weeks? It's the... A few. It was late January when it came out. I think it was like January 26th, so we're nearly a month. It will be a month as of next week. So I think maybe next week we can go into a big talk about that because yeah. I've watched so many things post-show about it too. So, um, oh, okay, like detailing the last, like the yeah, endings, the like essays that. and stuff gotcha, like that. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. been from from people that are better at talking than me. <laughs> but um, that's all I really. Thanks got for listening to stuff. our talking podcast. Nah, I know. <laughs> um, so cool. yeah, I'm ready to move into movie of the week. Movie of the week. Movie of the week, guys. We're doing. Uncut Gems. How you doing, Holly? How's it going? How's it going? Good Pesach, Holly. All right, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back. I made a crazy risk to gamble. And it's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. A charismatic jeweler makes a high-stakes bet that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. Mm, in a precarious high-wire act, he must balance business, family, and adversaries on all sides in pursuit of the ultimate win. Jack, that was really inappropriate. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, Jack tried to throw us off there with a little old uh, Jewish joke. A Jewish sneaky Jewish group joke. chat to be message. Fair, not inappropriate. There are a lot of Jew jokes in this, and Jewish jokes. We did the same in the in the Uber. He was like messaging group chat. I, that's so weird when you do that. Because like, I was talking shit about the fucking driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Zeke's like reading it out loud. Like, wait, what does this mean? No, it wasn't. I was, I, dude, I looked what up. you a, said, why are you messaging I was looking at my phone for 10 minutes and then I looked up and we still went on the freeway. I was like, where is he taking his man? <laughs> driving me crazy. <laughs> that's yeah. not what this is about. Uh, no, we're talking about a movie. From the, the Safety Safties. Brothers. So if you guys have listened to our podcast, we did Good Time on episode 11? Nine. 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 Wrong side Very of 10. close. Was I on that episode? No, you were not. You didn't get me on for one of my favourite films, you motherfucker. I guess not. We didn't, know. We know you have a Robert Patterson... Boner. Yes. Yeah, let him finish that one. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think this film, straight off the bat, hot take, better than Good Time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, oh hey. Hey, everybody. Bro, what Debate. the fuck are you saying? What do you mean? Good Time's fucking perfect. Yeah, but like, why? Why is it a better film than Uncut Gems? Because Robert Pattinson's one. Okay. There's <laughs> drugs, action. There is drugs and action in this film. Yeah, that is true. The scene where he fucking drugs the security guard in a good time and like tricks the cops. Every oh fuck. Good is it the way scene. it stakes tension in the I think film? It just feels more young. 
feels like more of a youthful film. Uncut Gems feels like a a real film. Here's the thing, Jack. You're completely correct in this because this film does open up on a colonoscopy. Exactly. So in terms of the middle-aged man versus the younger... No, you're absolutely right. It does feel like a younger film. Jake knew it, but I didn't even know it, but Jake knew it. (laughs) I just wanted to talk about colonoscopies. This this film is... The best kind of film. (laughs) This film, I think... I managed to watch this film at the Museum of Moving Image in oh, New York. What a fucking flake. Um, <laughs> we get it. What a You're flake. cultured. Um, I watched, I watched on my, this on my computer. I Jack, on my phone. I, I got to watch on one. Boat. I got to watch. <laughs> I watched it in three parts on a phone. <laughs> You're watching it at the cinema of moving in images. <laughs> Thanks. I get to watch one film with that, that cinema. It was just really lucky that it was that film. But. Um, this film gave me anxiety. Bro, this movie yeah. is and If you don't have anxiety and you want to know what it feels like, just watch this film. The moment it starts, you're just like, fucking hell. And this guy just keeps fucking up and you're just like, stop. Yeah, and the whole thing deeper mm-hmm. and deeper. Everything and, yeah. you should do, he does the opposite. And you're just like, mm. I'm losing my hair as we speak. He's, I think you're both absolutely bright in terms of anxiety inducing. This is why I like this film better than Good Time. A Good Time is a very well-made film. It lets you breathe. Very well-made film. It does. It has breathe. some... Downtime scenes. Doesn't. Like, half of Good Time is him just hiding in a room, dying his hair. And then this film <laughs> is Joker. just like, even when he's not doing anything, you're expecting him to get killed at any moment. You're expecting him to get mm. fucking jumped at any moment. Yeah. Even when there's nothing happening, you're like, even him fucking seducing his wife or watching his wife get naked is fucking intense. Or his mistress get naked is intense. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you if you go back to our music review for episode, on episode nine, yes. one of my big criticisms, this this is probably very unfair, but my big criticism of Good Time is I wish there was more focus on the disabled brother. I feel I there was... about every film. <laughs> I wish there was more exploration of that idea in terms of instead of going the wacky, oh, look how crazy my night's got. And I think that tone that anxiety that the safties create works way better for this story for this I think script it's, i mean the focal but they both have a focal point character where like there's a goal involved with it but obviously this one the opal's not going anywhere also, whereas this one is like you kind of all it like good time his goal is to get enough money to get his brother out it's a very clear goal mm. this yes. one it doesn't really have a goal it's more just like if he just stopped doing what he's doing right now, he'd be fine. He can afford a fancy mm-hmm. apartment. He could have a happy life. But for some reason, he's making his life way harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So you're just stressing out even more because you're just like, dude, you can, look, you'll be fine. You're selling yeah. jewelry to fucking famous people. You'll be all right. But he's just fucking it up. Shut the fuck up, man. But it's the, cha- it's the chase for the dream. It's like, <laughs> would he have ever been satisfied? Like, mm. Saftified, as yes. I like to say. I think... The end of the I show. I think... Um, <laughs> This is one of the biggest snubs for performance of the year, um, and for Sandler sure. did win Best Actor at the Independent, Independent Spirit, Spirit Awards. Award. You were and correct. he gave a great speech, if He's I like, recall. He was like, I'm Adam Sandler. And then he sat down. He literally said that. Really? <laughs> i got to see this. He went up on his, his to give his speech, and he just did a, a funny voice and went, I'm Adam Sandler. Well, you never joke about Kathy Bates from Waterboy, right? Or something like that. He made yeah. a, I talk about Chris Farley. He just did some Adam Sandler shit. Everyone just applauded him. <laughs> it, yeah. it was so funny because up against all these young actual up-and-coming actors and then just adam stanley like yeah you know who i am i've been famous yeah. for 30 years right i think no i think he did take a, a couple of pot shots at the oscars i think um, he made a joke saying oh if i don't get my oscar this time uh yeah. i'm gonna make shit movies forever or something like <laughs> yeah. him, something like that yeah Dude, adam stanley so was quite funny i hate every movie he makes but when he makes a good movie you just want him to be rewarded for it mm. because he, this movie just shows how much potential yeah but this, this, this is a result not of 
I mean, I think Sandler has the performance in him, but a lot of the time is just more into making money. And for going them. on a vacation with his friends. Literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> he just did a bunch of uncut gem kind of movies for a while where he established himself as like an actual good actor. But he get a, it's, he could be the out of Spider-Man villain. He is a good actor, but he's too lazy. I mean, the fact Adam of the matter the fact Dr. of the matter Octopus. is this is this is an accomplishment of the Safdies, not Sandler, That's because true. they've he's cast just, him perfectly. He's just playing sleazy Jewish dude, which is what Adam Sandler is. Mm. Well, the, the story goes, obviously, they've been trying to make this film for several years. Yes. They wrote something like, I think it's 160 drafts for this film, cool. Give up. which is insane, but they always tried... nearly 20 years since the original years. first draft or something so like that. It was like a very years, long yeah. time. Nearly 20 years. They're fucking very 15 years old, the Safety Brothers. I think it's been a very read, long time. I think time. I read 2009 was like a milestone young development. Yeah. But that's... That's the thing. They couldn't get Sandler because his agent would, would keep refusing the drafts mm-hmm. of the script. And at one point, they had Jonah Hill on to play. Oh, that would be the good as well. Protagonist. Oh, the oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not really a protagonist. <laughs> he's kind of his own. Enemy. I could <laughs> see. Jonah Hill uh, not not so not well. like fat Jonah Hill though, skinnier Jonah like Hill. Wolf of Wall Street Jonah Hill. Nah, nah. More like uh, what's the one of these really? What's the show Maniac where he's like really skinny? Yeah, but he doesn't I seem think, sleazy. When I think Jack's there. talking about like his attitude from Wolf of Wall Street more so. Oh yeah, not just his weight, but yeah. He'd be playing Adam Sandler if he was. Yeah. Like I, I think. Adam Sandler's. I, I think the bad. casting is the accomplishment. I think Sandler's. We've so, seen films with him with acting chops, but he's also cast in the role perfectly. Um, I mean, everyone's always got soft spots for things like what Happy Gilmore, Fifty First Dates. Yeah, I like those movies because I, I think like he's like. Ca- <laughs> I don't mind. I like but he's clean. cast correctly in Click. He's not miscast, I don't think. Mm. He plays the same character he plays in every other. He does Whereas this feels that. like the first time I feel like I've seen what he can do if you really, you know, you put him in a position where, like, he's cast right. well. But I mean, I don't want to detract completely from his performance. His performance is perfect mm. in every in every way. Um, I think it's. Well, I disagree. I I, we're not. No, saying we're it. not disagree, we're not, Gary. Uh, I'm saying it. That's a fun thing to say. To nah. be fair, that quote we all know what quote. He does say it multiple times throughout the film. As I'm I've learned my last way. night, yes. I'm on my way. That's yes. his catchphrase. That's what he says, kids. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think this film's biggest success is all of its casting feels like bang on the money, and mm. that's what really pays off with the film. And it's good to see, <laughs> like the pro, uh, one of the other things with Good Time is obviously one of the Safties was in Good Time. Uh, yes, Benny. I think Benny, yeah, he would have been the one. Benny's the special needs brother. Yeah. Um, whereas this one is obviously they're not in it, and mm-hmm. I think the casting like the bang on, like not only Sandler but even things like Lakeith Stanfield's yeah, Lakeith character. Lakeith Stanford in here. Cast him in anything. Um, and he's had a good couple of years. <laughs> I've got to hit. You also got Julia Fox, who actually plays Julia, the girlfriend mm-hmm. in the film. Uh, Idina Menzel plays the wife, I believe. Bit of a, yeah, and of, co- of course you got Kevin Barnett playing himself in the film. Kevin Garnett. 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 Sorry, sorry, yeah, I do have it on here. Garnett. Um, how do we feel about him playing himself in the film? I Good. don't know who he is, so as far as I'm concerned, he was an actor. <laughs> okay, okay. Like I knew, like, I knew a guy was playing himself, but I don't know that guy, so I was just like, okay. Right. I mean, I I, I knew he was a basketballer because mm. he's one of those like he goes oh. in the the co- you know Kobe Bryant's and right. the yeah, and, up there. and Durant's and all that. Right um, yes, he is. 
And um, so he's sort of one of those iconic <laughs> names, particularly in literally in, the series that yeah. they were talking about. That, that like sort the of NBA series. championships. Stuff yeah, like that. yeah. Celtics were pretty big for a couple of years. But I think it comes back to a lot of people felt very strongly about his performance. The act, he was a really good actor. but He I, was very good in the film. He, didn't yeah, he was like very I, good in the film, but I don't know. I'm, I, once again, I sit back. Is he a good actor? Mm. It's different. He, he plays himself. He plays a basketball. He's natural in front of a camera, though. And he's pretty natural. Yeah, there's a level of that, too. Yeah, I, I mean, that's also, but I guess that's how it's the directors of, work with actors that mm. aren't actors. He never felt like a celebrity cameo. If you didn't know that it, that guy was a basketballer in life and he was... Oh, absolutely, beyond, His yeah. role is beyond a cameo. It's oh, integral I know, to the plot. If you were watching this movie and you had no idea he existed in real life, you wouldn't. You would assume it was a fake basketball player that they yeah, made up. Yeah, I agree with that. It oh, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't you, you know, even sometimes if you're watching a thing and a celebrity's playing himself and they show up, it's kind of, you're like... Mm, well, sometimes the movie jarring. makes note of that. Like, yeah, even yeah. if you're watching a sitcom, they're like, oh, look, who's here? An Celebrity an, guest star, such Sandler and such. Movie. Yeah. I'm Al Pacino. Yeah, look, Al Pacino's I think it comes here. back to things like they don't always say his full name. They're not like, oh, KG. Kevin yeah, Garnett. KG, KG. Kevin Garnett. Like, exactly, exactly. And the weekend shows up, and it's, it's just like, oh, it's the weekend. No well, that's the thing with, with both um, KG, sorry, and, and the weekend. Like, mm. it adds this sense of authenticity yeah. to the world, which Rather I really than like. celebrity cameo. Yeah, instead of someone we have to pretend is a celebrity. It's like, oh, no, these are actual celebrities. But they're treated as sort of semi, and I think it adds to the people. anxiety of it because because they have such realistic portrayals. Like, like Garnett was not like one of those people who was like he wanted to look like top shit in this film. He mm. just wanted to look like a a bas- like exactly what he would probably be like yeah. in real life, a real arrogant basketballer. Like with lines saying like, "Oh, I brought it back to you, right? I could have yeah, kept it I didn't for myself. need to bring it back." Yeah, and, and it's sort of like like yeah. I mean, technically, what's what's this guy gonna do? Be like, "Oh, Kevin Garnett stole from me." Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that because I wrote the same thing down. That yeah, he has this arrogance. I'm like, why would yeah. you show me this if I can't buy it off you? It's you know? not like those uh, lines. Yeah, it's not like he was he was not at all worried about using like. Putting his tarnishing his name, which mm. could easily be a trap for one of those. Yeah, so exactly. the weekend, the weekend could have been this really cool rapper guy who doesn't. Like he, gets, he, he beats he, someone up and he fucking. Well, he gets hit too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what's that's what yeah because celebrity cameras are treated like oh my god it's Al Pacino he's the greatest living actor of all time. Yeah. That's what they say in like Jack and Jill, Jill. like yeah. oh my god he's the greatest actor ever. I mean, fucking he's not. He's Al Pacino. Yeah. But the movie treats them <laughs> on a high horse because the actor's only going to do it if they look good. Exactly. Or like how. Straight out of Compton got criticised because it makes all the living NWA members look like good guys. Yeah. Really, they did some fucked up shit. But then this movie's just like, I don't give a fuck, it's a movie. Make me look yeah. like a fucking piece of shit. Fuck it. Yeah, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's suspension of disbelief. And it actually, because they have such realistic portrayals, <laughs> it makes their performances look stronger. And it also adds to the stress of the film because mm-hmm. these people feel real. Yeah. Which means like Garnett constantly pressuring, where's my ring? Where's my fucking ring? It just adds to the the stockpile. Oh, the the gem's gone missing, and and it's weird because it it has such a really strange sort of also mysticism to it. Like yeah, the, the movie has, there's some weird like the opening scene I did not expect. Yeah, the mining in like ah uh, yeah in like Africa. I was like, oh wow, they're yeah. fucking going worldwide on this. And the then like Ethiopian the opening credits through the yeah. galaxy and shit. I was like. Mm-hmm. There's some weird interesting, yeah, interesting like, stylistic know, choices. It's so I was like, this is oddly but ethereal. <laughs> and the, but it is because it comes back to um, you know Adam Sandler's character. He puts all these bets down on Garnett because Garnett has the belief in this sort of like he feels like yeah. this weird sort like of aura, a, a musical motif every time where it's like it's sort of like whimsical, like there's magic happening. Right you know, now. There are scenes with him in the locker room staring at the stone, like it's like the One Ring basically. Yeah. Which no. is great about the Oprah because you have that opening line. Well, not the opening line, but mm. obviously what Adam Sandler says when, upon getting the mm. Opal, then when he says it 
you know, is it KG? I keep getting KG and KB mixed. It's KG. Yeah. When he talks to K, he's like, you can see the whole universe in this opal. And then you, again, you go back to that stylistic, you know, ethereal sort of, whoa, like, look at all this yeah. sort of thing they've put into the film, which I love that so much. But as the film goes on, the opal almost loses its own value, like literally and in terms of its importance in the plot throughout the whole film, which I love. Oh, shit just keeps piling up. Exactly, Fuck yeah. Fuck the opal. Sort your shit I up. guess, but it's also, it's also the catalyst for the finale, too. It's why Sandler puts down way, the big yeah. bet, the 26-leg bet, mm. because it's all down to the opal's power over Garnett. The movie, yeah. even, even that ending, you, the whole movie's anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And then it ends, and it doesn't relieve your anxiety. It just leaves you like fuming, fucking. I was pacing around the fucking room, like, fuck. It didn't on the boat. Fix- <laughs> <laughs> I know. I started on the boat. I finished it at my house. But I'm oh, there you go. Pacing back and forth, going, holy fuck. Imagine Jack on the boat running up and down, <gasps> yelling, "God!" <laughs> <laughs> well, I think now's a good time to put our spoiler. Thank God. Notice in Jack there. Jack was about ready. To I know. I was, yeah, I was worried. Ready to blow I was his worried. Load. All right. So from now on, spoilers only. But I think all three of us absolutely recommend this film. Watch uh, movie. All right. Well. No. It's interesting because we talked about all those relationships he has. Um, mm. He has his girlfriend, his wife, his kids, uh, all these, you know, Lakeith Stanford's like his assistant yeah. sort of thing. You have all these relationships. The only one, I noticed this last time when I rewatched the film, the only relationship we see him begin in this film, like he knows all these people at the beginning of the story. The only mm-hmm. person he actually meets is Phil, who is the one who ends up pulling the trigger at the end. And I thought that was an interesting catch. I mean, he meets KG. Well... It's interesting because I was I double checked that because he's walking and he's like oh where's my boy KG so he kind of acts like he already knows him maybe you're right maybe they haven't met before but his attitude towards him is mm. very much like oh you know we're buddies already. I don't know because I, there might be a uh, there might be a conversation to fix this problem I think the first interaction with Stanfield on the phone makes it out like he's like oh I've got KG here like as in mm. like I've got someone famous that I've found that I can bring in. Yeah, I, like I don't know if it's like mate. a pre-exist. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Potentially they're the two people he meets, but... He might meet KG at the beginning of the film. Yeah. I can take it that way. Yeah. But, but that's yeah. a cool... That's End a of cool... the film, he dies. Yeah, he's dead. That was that was the one of the best in-cinema moments. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, well, it was the best like, in-my-phone moment. But I was getting fucking pissed off, man. He fucking, I'm so happy for him. He's finally sorted his shit out. He's got money to solve his problems. But it would have never solved his problems. I know, but then he gets. I, agree. I know, but then he gets shot, and I'm just there like, can something fucking go right for this guy? <laughs> no, because I think the thing is the, the penultimate drive of all of every character in this film I know, I is money. Good, I know it's a good ending. It's a good character um, fucking end of. But like, I'm, I was just fuming because it didn't solve any of my anxiety. It just left me with more anxiety because <laughs> I was like, oh man, now his oh, girlfriend's Jesus. on her way somewhere, thinking he's still R. alive. Phone users. <laughs> I think one. I. I th- uh, yeah, I love the ending. I think the last mm. 20 minutes of that film is definitely some of the most like gripping cinema I've watched in recent memory. I mean, I've burnt through, what, 76 <laughs> films? You've burnt through about 76 films this year. Roughly the same. And it's like... Although I watched Uncut Gems, I think, in December, to be fair. Oh, but seriously... But you're up there, yeah. I, yeah, I've never felt this, like on edge of my seat I was there my stomach was in like three yeah. different rotations was, well, that's not good <laughs> I was sweating so yeah. bad during this movie I was like oh, holy fuck Which I is, felt like and I was I knew running it was coming around. too like I knew like they kept cutting back and then the gun sh- like the shots of the gun pointing you knew what was going to happen like you just felt it was like yeah. not like a oh this is an obvious plot threat it it's was still more a like shock a, to an extent but you're it's right it's an impending doom yeah. Adam feel. Sandler man like Adam Sandler can't die he's a star he's never died before on film 
This is his first oh. time. Oh, well, so jarring. About that, actually. No. I mean, yeah. it's, not that, it's not even that surprising of a fact. It's not like he died what in that. He died in fifty first dates. He could have died in. I guess so. Yeah. Why didn't he die in fifty first dates, guys? He could have, he could have died in <laughs> funny people. Did he die at the end of funny people? No, he didn't. Mm. He might have still been on like the diagnosis, but he definitely didn't die on screen. Yeah, I, only, no. I only watched like the first hour of that I can't film. make it through funny people. <laughs> yeah, I I'm I, I tried to rewatch it recently, and yeah, that film's hard it's to get through. So for some <laughs> I make it through two film. hours and I give up. Yeah, yeah. maybe um, I'll try next time. But no, but I thought that to, was. Yeah, I think this. I think this film has immaculate casting. It's just it's so weird to go back to back weeks with such like really great, really good films. Really yeah, good films. Um, and I don't know. I think this is a better performance from the Safties. I think it's more compelling. It's more gripping. Um, I like. Good time, but I have my problems with good time. I do have some problems with this film. I still think okay. The well, we might female, as well talk about them. Yeah, the female uh, in this film. Who? What was her name again? Uh, well, you got Julia Fox as his Julia, girlfriend. Yeah, Julia Fox, who is his. Well, I think both the key women characters in this film, uh, the wife and Julia Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think uh, particularly Julia Fox struck because obviously she's such an integral part of the climax of the film. Mm. Um, I think she really doesn't get a lot of time. I think the first time I, you really start to notice her as a character, because at first she's just the guy, the girl that Adam Sandler's sort of having it off. See, seeing, it, yeah, yeah. seeing on the side. And... Um, like we see her in the opening scene, and she's partied out, but... They're so th- extra. Yeah, it's sort of like... <laughs> That's like the one-line dog. Like, ah, she she sort of, in the first half of the film, played off as nothing more than just the girl he's having the affair with. And then the first time you start to be like, oh, maybe we should focus on this character more is when they have their big fight and we spend that time tracking her as she goes back to the club. And it's that good 20, 30-second shot. But up to that point, she's the girl he's having it off with and then she's the girl having it off with another wife, she's just snorting some cocaine in the, and Adam Sandler gets weekend. in the fight. Yeah, <laughs> gets in a fight with the weekend. But, like, she, there's no... They're, they're not... They're not... In the film, they're not putting that much importance into her, like, character. She's not meant to, though. It's an Adam Sandler fucking sleazeball movie. It's like everything but around him so is just... she's so integral to the plot. Which yeah, but she's just like, another... She's just another... And she doesn't get away with, like... At, at the end of the day, she's not going to get away with the money. It's money, drugs, girls. It's all these fucking excess things that are around him like it's just meant to be she's just another one of the things that he's addicted to gambling money well, she's not drugs gambling. no he is oh yeah Adam Sandler so this is just another one of those things that he's addicted to fucking random girls even though he's got a wife you know it's like yeah. it's just another aspect of his life that is addictive yeah that makes him a sleazeball I, I do agree with that because I mean we've had this conversation the three of us already about yeah. Julie Robert uh, Julie Fox specifically yeah. and her role in this film because I agree it's like I in terms of how much she's in the film, I'm fine with it because she does have such an important part in the role in the third act, and she's Got obviously the one doom coming because she's going back to the shop. Well, that's the thing. Like so her, her within fate. the within the realms of the film, she's the one who wins. She has the money, and I I'm with you. I don't think she's going to survive another day in that universe. She's I think she's show up and get killed. Yeah, I yeah. think that's exactly what's going to happen to her, and I think Cause that's part of won. that impending doom. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, but in terms of her role, in, like I guess the first half, like leading up to her scene and the, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the weekend and stuff, it's like I mean I don't mind. I think Jack's right. It's it's very much a wheel for Adam Sandler and all of his surrounding. We're seeing how he affects the people around him, whether it's influence or whether it's it's spiting anger and all these things. I love how this character is incredibly deplorable in the first. Like this film, I like like it's hard to say he's the protagonist of the film because. Exactly. 
I mean, right, he's, he's the guy, but an we anti- still end up rooting for him. For sure. <laughs> he's a horrible person, but you root for him. He's pretty much the antagonist of everyone around him. Well, he's a protagonist mm. who fails. He's a person with an addiction, and he essentially overdoses at the end. That's sort of what that is when Boom, he dies. That's some, that's some, some deep shit that's right some there. Deep shit right I read there. that last night. Oh, <laughs> someone, damn it, someone made that comparison. I was like, well, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> should have just taken credit for it. I know I should have. I should have jumped on it. But no, that's uh, again, I think it is a wheel for him and in terms of uh, Julia Fox. I think her addiction is is Adam Sandler or is Howard Ratner is, is being with him and getting a tattoo on her ass of him and all this stuff. Yeah, and, and, I want to get that tattoo. And he, even though he's so reckless, you know, she still <laughs> <laughs> snuck that in. I actually think uh, I, I, I would have to go back and look at my, my scores, but I think I did end up giving Uncut Gems a higher score than Parasite because I think I enjoyed Uncut Gems potentially. Well, I'll have to you gave Parasite it. four and a half stars. Yeah, I think you gave Uncut Gems a five stars. Uncut Gems gets seven stars. Oh, no, the... I gave them both four and a half. Okay. I beg my pardon. But to, I would've... to be fair, I'm thinking of bumping Uncut Gems to four and a half as well. Um, but... Like, remember how we talk about the quarters? I'd probably sit on an 8.5 for Uncut and then 8.25 okay. for Parasite. Okay. Um, I think this film is just... I On its rewatch, it was just even more... Like, oh, it's excellent. ...engaging and fun. And I think this film is going to almost replace probably my Wolf of Wall Street re- rewatchability. Wow. Like, whenever I'm bored, crack on Uncut Gems and have a bit of fun. Damn. Well, speaking of Wolf of Wall Street, which is also up in the top 10 list of films, with the most use- frequent use of the word fuck... Yeah, this movie's number two, isn't it? This movie number seven. Oh, real? Number seven. I think Wolf of Wall Street is number three. I think number one's like a documentary about the word fuck, so that makes okay, sense. Well, just films. But... Number seven is, yeah, is Uncut Gems at 408 uses across 135 no I minutes. No yeah. <laughs> You didn't even realise that, did you? So that's 3.02 fucks per minute in that film. And if you watch that movie thinking of how often they swear, yeah, they now swear I can't watch that film again. They swear a lot in that film. <laughs> nah, that's great. That's great. But um, Do you I know, like like don't think Wolf of Wall Street's like a rewatchable film. Oh no, when Wolf, when I got Wolf of Wall Street on Blu-ray, I watched it three times in one day, yeah. <laughs> nine hours just, of it. Yeah, yeah. There's something about well, it. Wolf of Wall Street's way more fun than this I film. On Wolf I don't Wall know. This like... fun's this one's got like a thing that I can't look away. Like I, even in a yeah. second watch through. I mean, I watched this film for the first time. Like you at least first time you watched this film, like you said on in computer. 2019. Right. Yeah. Right? Sorry. So this is like you had a good space between rewatches, whereas. I think, I mean, I was only, what, two and a bit, three weeks ago I watched this film. So okay. it's a little bit close to spacing, and I think I, enjoy, I definitely enjoyed it more on the second viewing, which means I probably should be giving things like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a rewatch. Cause you I'm, really do. That film holds up so fucking well. So um, do we but, want to move to highlight scenes, or you got anything else um, you like that? Probably just a couple of things on here. <laughs> I'll just mention that uh, Daniel O'Payton did the score once again. He also did the score for Good Time. Good uh, excellent stuff. Synth stuff. Um, I've also got an article here from the, I got an article from the cinematographer of this film and, uh, I wanted to talk a bit about this. Uh, there's an article that pretty much talks about why he ends up sort of going with the seventies to eighties style of filming in terms of the way the film looks. Cause this film doesn't look very clean in a lot of ways. It actually feels very bled in, Mm. but um, grounded comes back to grounded realism, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I think they shot this on film. I could be wrong. They could have uh, like just added noise in post. Yeah, but, yeah that would have been boring. <laughs> they just it add some noise. Digital, I mean, it comes. Yeah, I mean, look like film. You could you could add just a sixteen millimeter or thirty five millimeter noise filter, like a, a LUT, and you could get a very. It's not going to yeah, be exactly the same. It would still have that clean look. Yeah, I could be wrong. Next. Hmm. <laughs> Next. 
No, I, just, I wanted to mention that there's, there's a point specific because I talk about this film, like, before I rewatched it, I thought about this film as a big blur. The whole experience of him coming in and out and meeting this person, doing this person. Yeah, like and a stress it's, dream. Yeah, it's a, and I, I say this as a huge compliment that yeah. it feels like a big blur. And, like, the cinematography reflects this. Like, I was watching about 30 minutes in the scene when he's in the apartment and he calls the girlfriend, uh, Julie. The yeah, well, yeah, before he goes into the cupboard, he's on the phone <laughs> to her. Um, there's like a literal, there's an interior neon light that literally bleeds into the couch. And it's not like um, refraction or anything like that. It literally just, the color goes over the couch. And it's like, it doesn't really make sense. But again, that cinematography, it kind of leads into that bleed-in feel, mm. which I just, I love. I love about the film. And I think that's great direction. Mm. But also great I think it all adds to the pacing, you know, the speed, the flow, the motion, all adds to that, you know, rising tension and, and stress mm. that... The blur, like, if it felt slow and allowed you to catch your breath, it sort of loses steam, like I think Good Absolutely, Time does sometimes. Yeah. And I think they've, like, they clearly like that far, like, that short, oh, I don't want to say, sh- the wrong phrase to say short attention span filmmaking, but it sort of feels like, I mean, the, both films are constantly, like, where they're aiming to be constantly moving and constantly changing and constantly, like, not giving you enough time to catch your breath, but I, yeah, I do it's a think good to ride exactly, and I think yeah. that's why Uncut's better because I think Good Time does have reprieve, and even when there are moments of sort of chill in Uncut, they're still stressful. Like the auction is not; it's a, technically right, a slow they're all scene. sitting down, but there's still some intense. There's, well, there's still intense mind games, yeah. or, or the bar mitzvah, or I don't know what oh, it yeah. is. Bar mitzvah, or it's a, if, a bar mitzvah. Uh, was it bar mitzvah? Yeah. I'm getting guess it was. was it, what was the thing? It was for his daughter, wasn't it? It was a I Jewish celebration, and, yeah. but there's always going to be that added tension because of obviously the relationship between um, Adam Sandler and uh, not his, sure well, his daughter and his whole family. Yeah. In addition, well, and and the fact that we've already established at this point when Phil and his gang break into the school play, they're just sitting there. So it's like there's no there's no way he can go to hide from yeah. this. So exactly. I love that, and I noticed that about his son as well when he's when he's in bed watching the game on his phone. And mm. then he goes into his other son's room and he's dunking the balls and he's talking about how him and his mates like to make twenty dollar bets, fifty dollar bets. I was like, fuck, that's clever. Yeah. And like even his room is just full of crap. Like all this yeah. collectible stuff. And I'm like, that's so clever. Never enough. That. Never enough for him. Okay. Yeah. Well do you wanna you gotta hear it like that? Yeah. Mm? Highlight scenes? Yes, let's do our highlight scenes of it. Jack, would you like to kick us off? Uh, uh when he gets shot. <laughs> it's just such like an iconic <laughs> shot. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Like just him bleeding out on the floor with the hole in his eye. We almost really? made that the thumbnail. <laughs> we did. Yeah. <laughs> would have been a bit of a spoiler. Head, yeah, a little bit. I think that scene's great because it's that moment of triumph where everything sort of even... It does kind of triumphant when that happens. It does. Like it pulls out and it's like... What's well, everything. It's like, um, <laughs> it's like when Garnett you're giving the winning speech <laughs> that's completely like indirectly tied yeah, yeah, yeah. with the scene. Like everyone celebrating the phone call. And then like even like, you know, his, his brother-in-law being like, holy fuck, he did it. Like, we're actually all going to get out of yeah, this yeah. better for it. And, oh, that moment Everyone's when Everyone's celebrating, opens. but... Mm. Oh, this is one of the biggest gut punches. It is one of the things where it is such a perfect ending, but you're like, man, there's so much that happens after the movie ends you want to know about. Well, like and I it's said to you, shame. I thought there was another 10 to 15 minutes after that scene, but there's only like six or There's seven. only like six minutes. There's a couple of beats of her yeah. getting in the car with the money... Um, but his wife being like, oh, we need to call the cops. He was in the, the thing naked in the trunk. Yeah. You know, so there's a couple beats to establish. And even <laughs> one of Phil's guys, he kills one of his own men. Yeah. Because he tries to run away. 
So there's a few beats in there, but this this just so much is like, oh, I would have loved to have seen what happens to Julie when she gets back mm. home. Like, oh, I, I know, know it's gonna happen. I know it's gonna happen. That's but the but it's it's a, curiosity. there's enough openness there that potentially she gets out, but we all suspect the worst. It's very clear. You know what is real? I'm re- looking at this article now. The guy who did the cinematography, ironically, his name is uh, Darius. So it was funny. Darius Kalanji, uh, I believe. I'm going to really mess that name. But he did seven. He shot seven. Oh, that's why this movie was That's so definitely good. not D for Darius. <laughs> He's probably born with seven. Probably a different, <laughs> probably a different <laughs> Darius. Seven seven of. Amazing cinematography. Yeah. I just, I was like, oh, wow. What's your highlight scene, Jake? Uh, my highlight scene, so I, I did write about the ending because the ending's oh. perfect tension, the oh, basketball wow. game and everything. It's a climax. But, um, I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever, Jack. I'll give you that. Um, but there are there's two other moments I just want to talk about a little bit. The yep. one when we've sort of ended our uh, entered the third act. Uh, Adam Sanders had his big meltdown session in front of Julia, but then he gets the call. He's like, "Oh, things are going to be all right. You know, uh, KG's going to buy the opal. You know," and then he goes to switch the rings out. And I re- this is the only time in the film it feels like he's actually taking own his own sacrifices to try and fix fix things. Mm-hmm. Because he's got, think he's gonna be a good guy. Yeah, exactly. He's got his own ring. I'm trying to write it here because he, he has the championship ring from KG. He has to get back. So he gives him that. And he swaps it. He swaps it. text ring. Yeah. And that guy's like, "You never take it off." Yeah, they establish that he's like sentimental with that ring. So that's like the one time it's like, "Oh, he might be up." Never mind. He's doing another bet. <laughs> um, and the other one is the initial scene when the opals introduced. I just like the the dynamic him and Lakeith Stanfield and KG have like all, they're all like walking and then they have like the shiny gremlin statue things mm-hmm. and they're all like laughing about it. he does a little eye stuff it comes back to Garnett being so enthralled with the opal that he shatters yeah. the glass even yeah he like smashes three or four times oh. not to lean on the glass <laughs> beautiful now I, I just love the dynamic like the performances mm. in that scene it's like ah oh, this is some guys before it all really gets to the shit yeah yeah so, no, excellent film so Zeke your highlight um the interaction between uh uh, is it what's Adam Sanders' name again? Howard Ratner. Howard Ratner. Ratner. Uh, Ratner. And KG, following the scene where he pulls right. off the, where he basically when he officially buys the opal. Yeah, when he officially buys the opal, and he's like, That's "Oh, how bet. much did you pay for it?" And he goes, hundred oh, grand." Really good. Scene. And it's sort of a commentary on like, "Oh, well, you exploited them," and he's like, "No, they were <laughs> worse off." Like, I, I, he's basically summarizing the American dream in one scene, or basically <laughs> any sort of capitalistic dream where it's like. It's the pursuit for wealth through, you know, it's buying buying in and playing like that sort mm. of game. And it's in, in one scene, he's like, basically like, well, you're going to win this game. And then he takes the betting and Garnett's really uncomfortable by seeing the betting. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he, I he, know you're going to win and I'm going to put all this in and you have to win. It's really the only time KG sees Howard, like, at that level. Yeah. He's like, oh. <laughs> like at this low, he just he just got given a hundred and six because he ends up look he's saying for good season. He's just given one hundred sixty five thousand dollars for a yeah. rock, and he just bets it all. Yeah, like right in front I, of him. Yeah, I think that's when he's like, I mean, he still goes on to win the game. Yeah, but but his, he has yeah. sort of a somber speech in mm. in the end rather than a like a joyous speech. It's a very like somber low key speech, and I I think that scene is really good in setting the stakes for multiple characters though, for KG and for Sandler because although they're not tied together by anything other than this opal there's sort of like a a moral obligation for Garnet's character to mm. fulfill this because of this sort of deluded dream and I really like that scene because I think that scene is what scene. sets off 
in sets off the motion of of just, the final climax. Well, yeah, and also the uh, like why you feel so uncomfortable in mm. that last scene because you know it's all laid out there. So yeah, yeah. wonderful stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Uncut Gems is out in wide release on Netflix. Yes. So outside of the US is on Netflix. If you are in the US, uh, you might have to wait a little longer because it's already had its it's theatrical in, release. Yeah, it's, is, is it, it still, still in theaters? No, it's still there when I was there. So hopefully, it's yeah. Still... But that was like three, four weeks ago now. Yeah. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? This film actually had a sub twenty million dollar budget and made just under fifty million back, making it a twenty four's highest grossing domestic film. Oh, real? It made, yeah. Like it made that much in America off the cinema. What yeah, do you reckon just next for the theatrical safties? screens, 50 million. Next for the safties? Yes. Uh, what, I don't want to say what's next for them. You know what I want to see them do? What? Oh, we know. Bond. Oh, okay. The safties. Too big. Too I big, thought you were yeah. going to say MCU. One more big one. No, they... No, no okay. They could I mean, they could keep doing their indie thing, whatever they want to do. But you could push them into a, a Marvel saying, film, did, probably. No, did, no, they got too much grit for Marvel. Jack, did you make a bet, like, six months ago that the safties would be given an MCU film? Or Oh, no. No, not no that was Thunder Road, uh, Jim Cummins. Oh, that is correct. Oh, that bet's going great, isn't it? Haven't heard about him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But uh, no, the sa- I'm not saying like in next next year they start working Bond. I'm talking like five years down the line. Right, they need, they need a commercial away. release. They've now had an indie success, like I'm a real indie success. Well, this was a financial success for That's what I'm saying. But... Like, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Now they've got to move into a real commercial success. Something that has like a, like a 50 million. What property with a... would you get? Hmm? What, name a property What's left? Would... <laughs> What's left? Everything. You could do a Batman like... movie as well. Fuck it. Nah, you probably Star get one of Patterson? the smaller DC entities, maybe. <laughs> potentially. Okay, give him a Nightwing movie. Birds I was about of Prey to... A Nightwing movie might not be a bad idea. Um, I don't know. I give don't... him a Watchmen remake. They just did a TV show, right? Mm, okay. Well. well, what fits their style? Just give him a thriller. Cinematic any, any kind of thriller. Style. Any kind of thriller. Yeah, it's not bad. Do an Al Pacino, mm. De Niro, Heat-esque film yeah literally it's not a bad idea actually it's a good go. i'm full of ideas this they just started making shit <laughs> dwayne the rock johnson movies from now on they're gonna do a re every disney reboot is directed by the safety brothers <laughs> they can do like an indiana jones film <laughs> treasure oh treasure fuck, do an indiana jones film yeah mm, but it would be like be really given. about like how much of a scumbag indiana jones is <laughs> stealing from africans <laughs> and like and how he's addicted to robbing yeah, the people's whole, culture. The whole thing takes place in Egypt again. Like, or... You have to stop coming here and stealing our artifacts. He's like, fuck you. I, think, <laughs> I actually think a period piece would be the next thing I'd like to see. I guarantee you the next film is set in the 20s. In Poland. Yeah. I'd like the to 2020s? see a relatively yeah, high budget <laughs> period piece from them. Doing, I, guarantee I don't think they could take a, an, a franchise. They're not quite at franchise level. I'd like to see them do a high budget a mummy period. Movie. I think a mafia movie would be a really good pick for they're doing a, they're a doing gangster a movie next well Scorsese Four. did produce this film Uncut Gems that's what I'm saying yeah, yeah. maybe maybe they'll go under the more Scorsese wing and <laughs> I would like I to see him do an, a gangster film we haven't seen a 20s gangster and with it being now the roaring 20s I reckon we're going to be seeing a lot of gangster films I think we've got to clarify 1920s from now on because yes. I keep getting confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah 100 year anniversary of gangster films you could totally see one coming in like there will be a bunch okay that was my prediction there you go. So, All right. Jake, what is new in cinemas this week? Uh, very Australian heavy week, actually, guys. Gross. That's because it's the weakest time of the year. Yeah. Ah, so apparently the Australian mystery adventure ABC TV show is being adapted to the big screen. Miss Fish, Miss Fisher, and Miss the Crypt Fish. of Tears. Oh wow, I love Miss Fisher. I don't know if you know what that is. She's some old lady that solves crimes on TVs, isn't she? Something like that. I think they're bringing it like a full feature. Sometimes when you're sick at home from school, back in the day, you watch Miss Fisher. Miss I don't Fisher. even think Miss Fisher was on ABC3 when we were doing Dance Count. Right. No, not ABC3. It's like an ABC show. Oh, okay. 
Is it Elise Davis? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> or Essie. I guess Essie, Essie Davis. Davis and uh, also Ashley Cummings from Hounds of Love fame is also in this film. Wow, Pew Blues. There you go. Hopefully she, she doesn't get like horribly tormented in this film. How good is Hounds of Love? So good. Yeah, it's very good. So that's available at Hoyts and Luna. And I'm going to clarify this because there's a lot of multiple different this is here, this is there sort of situations. So back to you, Jack, the invisible man. Who directed it? So a new take on the H.G. Wells novel in a 1933 horror classic. After her abusive ex-boyfriend commits suicide, naive Cecilia begins to rebuild her life, but she questions her grip on reality when she begins to su- suspect her ex is not so dead. It's from Australian director Lee Winnell, who did Upgrade. Oh, boy, that movie's oh. going to fucking roll. I now, dude, I was like, oh, that kind of looks all right. Now I want to fucking see it right now. So the guy did Upgrade. Let's go see it. Let's go see up, Dude, fucking Lee Winnell was doing Invisible Man, and I thought it was going to be shit. Am I an idiot? Yeah, you're an idiot. Lee Winnell. Oh, bruh. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so Upgrade happy. was Fucking entertaining awesome. with a really bad ending. Oh, the oh, ending me... sucked. I don't know. How did it end? I... He kills the guy. Uh, the cop died. No, no. He kills the creator and then he dies and then the cop's just sort of chilling there. Well, he's stuck in like a simulation yeah, sort of like thing a, or yeah, a loop, some weird... loop reality. Yeah. Like Robo Limbo. I don't remember minding it. Loved it. I mean, the ending was weaker than the rest of the film, I, I guess. Oh yeah, the, the best part about the film comes back to its action. Can't believe Lee was doing Invisible Man. He's gonna kick off. It. He's gonna kick off the fucking monster universe that Universal's been trying to do. I think it's a Monsters University. Is that the one with Mummy? Like the <laughs> yeah, Mummy? I think they scrapped that one as well. And now oh God, Frankenstein's gonna be they're that going too. for low budget Blumhouse. <laughs> Jake, you gotta get on it. <laughs> I gotta get on it. I guarantee. All right, what else is? So that's at Event Cinemas this Thursday. Only event, weirdly enough. So you're gonna have to go there to watch it. Uh, all right, we're getting off the Australian wave. Motherless Brooklyn. So Edward Norton writes, <laughs> directs, and stars as a lonely what? private detective <laughs> uh, with Tourette syndrome trying to solve his only friend's murder in this crime drama. It and looks like it was a fuck murder. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird... That movie's got no traction. Who's heard of that? Uh, I've heard of it a lot. Oh, Zeke's losing it right now. <laughs> Is it a comedy? <laughs> Back away from the mic. Oh, my God. Um, Actually, this isn't the first time that Norton's directed a film. He actually directed a film 20 years ago called Keeping the Faith, which I did not know at all that he's a director. Sounds like the Bon Jovi song. But there you go. Apparently, this film hasn't done very well in the US, but it's out over here at Luna on Thursday. Ride Your Wave, a surfer and firefighter with a mutual love of the sea, fall in love in this Japanese anime romance, available this Thursday at both Luna and Hoyt's. On the TV front, I've got I am not okay with this season one. Can we stop naming our Netflix shows? A these sentence, <laughs> like uh, yeah, a sentence, please. To all the boys I've loved, please. Before, the end of the effing world. You. You're right. It's ridiculous. Um, okay, Sophia. I don't feel in this world anymore. Yeah, no, it's oh, it's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> Sophia Lees, I believe is the name of it fame. So she plays. Is it Barbara and it? Bev. Yes. Oh, Bev. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Bev. Uh, Bev. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Stars as, stars as Sydney, a teenage girl who navigates the trials and tribulations of high school while dealing with the discovery of a newfound superpowers. Uh, what? <laughs> That's on Netflix this Thursday. You lost me. Also, uh, right, I guess right now, as of us recording this and releasing today, season five of Better Call Saul is kicking back up. So episode one's on stand right now. Episode two's out tomorrow. And every subsequent Tuesday, new episodes of Better Call Saul. I am hyped AF for this. I couldn't give a fuck. Dude, it's like almost better than almost. It it is better than Breaking Bad, like in half of half of its sort of ways. I don't know. Intriguing. How. Some of it's better than Breaking Bad. Yeah, 
Like so, you in could, other words, you could, it's easily, not as good as you could argue that it's better than Breaking Bad. That's that's how I'm going to end that sentence. Okay, but well, there you go. Um, a reminder that In the Blood It Runs uh, is also still running at other theaters as well as Backlot. I'm seeing it on Friday because I forgot to see it last week. But there we go. Well, none of those are what we're watching next week. Well, on the show. we are watching a film that is coming out this week. Though. Are we? Yes. What are we not. watching, Jake? I've left it to the end this week, or. Maybe not this week. Next week on the show, we're watching Honey Boy. I see you. Contrary real hard. Be a 12-year-old. Pie fight. Ugh. It's not a pie fight. Think it through. What's your mother got a job for? Just in case. In case what? I don't In case know. you fail. In case it don't no. work out. Yes, man. She's filling your head full of fear. I pump you full of strength. Because we're on a team, and I know you got what it takes. You're a star, and I know it. That's why I'm here. I'm your cheerleader, honey boy. When a 12-year-old Otis begins to find success as a television star, his abusive alcoholic father returns to take over as his guardian, and their contentious relationship is followed over the decades. Mm, so this one comes out in Luna on Thursday. Uh, you might want to double-check the outdoor and indoor conditions of these screenings, but either way, we're going to watch it. Shia LaBeouf, he uh, pens the film and stars in it as his own father, technically. Who directed yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I forget the name. I know This it's film a... was directed by Omar Harrell. I was waiting for you to say Lee Winnell, and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, it is, I, I do remember it being a female director. I just forgot her name, unfortunately. Just like the rest of Hollywood, forget all the other female directors' names. She's a female director. Bye -bye. Yep. Good for her. <laughs> nah, this, apparently this is an excellent, excellent film. And uh, I also just realized, Shia LaBeouf shares a birthday with you, Jack. Oh, I know. Oh, you know? I was used to be embarrassed, but now that he's redeemed himself, it's all good. There you go. Well, apparently he's amazing in this film, and I can't wait to see it. Wish you sick. film's gotten six nominations so far. So Wait, what? Yeah, it's had six nominations. Just not for Oscars. Or what? Just like no, for Critical's cho uh, Critic okay. Choice Award, Gotham Independent Film, okay. Independent Spirit Award. Uh, Everyone was nominated for one. Best Sporting Mail, Best Cinematography. So, smaller, one there. smaller indie film festivals. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, this was like the one that was like on the end of the 2019 list and we just it took forever for us to get it. Yeah. So, I'm really glad we finally have a chance to watch this film this week. Very keen to check this one out. Thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show podcast. Yes. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And I was Jack. And we'll catch Woo! you next week with Honey Boy. I'll see you on episode 78. <laughs>